Welcome to Filmstrip, movie reviews presented by Continuous Play Podcast. These podcasts are spoiler-filled as we discuss the plots, characters, and themes of the films in review. All content used or discussed in these podcast episodes is the property of the respective owners and used under the Fair Use Act, Section 504C2, Title 17. Welcome to Filmstrip. I'm Jay. And I'm Nick. And this is our review of Jaws the Revenge, starring Lorraine Gary, Lance Guest, Mario Van Peebles, Karen Young, Judith Barcy, and Michael Caine. Directed by Joseph Sargent, released in 1987 on a budget of $23 million. Somehow, this grossed $51.9 million in the box office run. And Nick, I'm proud to say me and my mother were $14 of that. Because so, we went and saw this in the summer of 1987, because, of course, I was a huge huge Jaws fanatic. I was 10, 11 years old at that point. And so she was like, oh yeah, we'll go see it. And I like, I even read an excerpt of the novelization that was in Reader's Digest before this movie came out. I saw the, the trailers. I was like, yes, I'm down for it. And really all you need to know about this movie is that it stars Lorraine Gary. And that's the first thing you just need to know that going in. So Mario, and, what, what about Mario Van Peebles, man? Well, we're going to come back to him. Yeah. Oh gosh. Yeah. <laughs> but um, I mean, really though, I I have distinct memories of seeing this in theaters, and we'll talk about the ending because we both watched this. It, it was running on Netflix at the time when we recorded this podcast, and the ending that's on Netflix is the original theatrical ending. But up until that one. You had seen the alternate ending on home video releases, and we'll talk about the difference there, but have you ever seen Jaws the Revenge before this podcast? I have never seen it except for bits and pieces. The only thing I can say I have ever seen of this movie before viewing it actually today was I was at my aunt's house when I was a young boy, and this was on TV, and I remember seeing the scene of Mario Van Peeblesman getting eaten by the shark. <laughs> yeah, and right there. It was it was just because I knew it was a Jaws movie, and I remember when I went back and I watched the original Jaws, I had that vision in my head, and I had somehow like put dent uh, like Hooper's face on that guy <laughs> and thought like Hooper got killed on the stern of the boat, and when that never happened, I was just like. What the hell? I'm like this is I'm like that's not my memory of this movie. And then some then like Jaws of Revenge was on like, you know, I don't know, like USA Up All Night or something like that and all suddenly I saw the ending and I'm like that's what it's from. It's from this one. And so yeah, that's my entire background until essentially pressing play on Netflix today. <laughs> yeah, you know, like I say, I've seen this one several times. I actually didn't own it on VHS, oddly enough. I taped it off of like a, a Showtime weekend or something once, so I had about worn that out. I do own it on DVD, and now that it's on digital, of course, I, I go that way with it. Those, kinda, are the best, those are the best weekends, though. I remember like having yes. like free HBO or free Showtime or Skinamax, and I remember like my, my dad would go run to like we had like these little mom posh, you know, video stores and we'd buy like tons of blanks VHSs and then put it on like the EP. Is that what it was? Like the long the S- setting the, of it? The SLP, the super long yeah, play. Uh, you can get three yeah. two hour movies on one. Yeah. Yeah. We would just like put it in and record everything. I remember having like just tons and tons of movies. And then when my gra- when my grandma had a roommate when she was older and he died, they had HBO but he used to do that all the time with HBO, and he just recorded every movie on there. So, like, my whole, like, movie – this is totally pointless to the podcast, but I remember, like, when – after he passed, I got his VHS collection, and I literally had hundreds of VHS of, like, every HBO thing ever recorded, and that was – Really fun for an 11-year-old kid, if you catch my drift. Dude, yeah, dude, the way I watched uh, Buffy the Vampire Slayer for the first few seasons was I was always working when it came on at night. I would just tape it and just tape several episodes in a row and then just watch it. Like, I wore a VCR out, man. I, I know how to run one of those and set the timer on it. I thought that was the greatest thing ever. And like, I'm weird in technology. Like, I've, I skipped, like, DVDs for a long time. And t- the first DVD I ever had, like I said, was Jaws, you know, and I finally got one. 
I didn't even do the Blu-ray. Like I've I've still never seen a Blu-ray any of that. I I just went straight to digital streaming. I kind of just skipped over Blu-ray, but um, <laughs> I, you know I was all over that. But yeah, no. Back to this movie, man. I I again have distinct memories of it. And then like the end of that year when my birthday happened, like I had saved up allowances, done extra work or whatever, got a little money for my birthday, and like I went and bought the Jaws Nintendo Entertainment System game to play, which if anybody's ever played it, is the most insane game ever. You're just running around in a boat, collecting dang conch shells, trying not to get killed by jellyfish and stingrays, so you can save up enough to power up enough to go and shoot Jaws about 500,000 times with a spear, so then you can try to stab it with the boat at the end. I mean, it's it's almost impossible. I finally beat it years, years later, but I remember playing that game and just playing it for hours at a time, and so, I man, I was all in on Jaws the Revenge and I'd never forget watching it at home once I think it probably with my dad and him looking at me going you don't really think this is good do you <laughs> and then me going well yeah it's 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 a Jaws movie <laughs> and only to sort of sheepishly sit there and go yeah it's kind of dumb so and now I look at this film because it, it is so uh, trendy to just trash this thing you know everybody trashes it and and everybody wants to kill on it and stuff like that. But I look back on this now and I realize that you know this series has been one that's been multiple genres, like we talked about. You had this adventure drama in the first one. You had this horror slasher in the second one. And then you had this disaster movie in the third one. Well, this one, man, is like the best Christmas lifetime movie with a shark in it ever made, hands down. Yeah, I was shocked. I mean, perfect timing for watching this because we are recording this during the Christmas season. Right, it's and, coming out in January, but yeah, you're right. We, we're in the holidays now, and we're watching a Christmas <laughs> movie with a shark. Yeah, I was just like, wow, this is really, uh, you know, kind of topical for where we're at right now. So, yeah, I was shocked when I saw it was a Christmas movie. I mean, what the hell? They, they, <laughs> I can tell you, there's a reason for this, and you can lay it all on the director's feet. When when Sid Sheinberg, who was head of Universal, Why, is, it, is, it, is it Shane Black? No, when when <laughs> he came to Joseph Sargent and said, "I want you to do the fourth Jaws movie," but here's the deal: we gotta have it out by summer of, of 1987, and you gotta, you, you know, we don't even have a script yet. You gotta have it be ready to film in you know the winter, basically. And he said, "What am I gonna do to make people want to sit through another shark movie? How can we make this interesting?" And he didn't like Scheinberg and him. Like they, they were very specific. Like you cannot do what they did in Jaws three. You can't do a parody, and you can't uh, do something dumb like that. We we got to do something that's a real like next chapter of the thing. And the only thing he could think of was let's get it out of Amity and let's go to the Bahamas and you know that'll be so on weird. Christmas on Christmas and he and there's also and it's in the novelization it's not here I don't know if it was part of an earlier script that just got cut there's a few lines that sort of allude to it the, this shark is supposed to be possessed by like a voodoo priest who's trying to get back at at Michael Brody in some way we we talk about that as it comes up in, in different places but he said well, if we kind of introduce this mystical element he thought that might be something different to do now by the time they got around to making the movie and what's actually there it's more of this like grief romance for 50 year old plus people <laughs> you know <laughs> in the bahamas and well, there just happens to be a shark i mean i was expecting it to turn into a viagra and viagra <laughs> ad at the end i mean that's that's, that's essentially what it is with like Michael Caine romancing Lorraine Gary. Well, yeah, they got Lorraine back and she said, I'll do this, but you got to give me like a, you know, you've got to give me a drama romantic interest. And, and what Scheinberg had said to the sergeant was, I want you to make a movie about people and not about a, an animal. And so the only thing they could come up with was like, well, okay, so Scheider's not going to come back, so okay, he's dead. And we'll say he died of a heart attack, and she'll say it was because he was afraid of sharks. And we'll kill one of the kids, and that'll send her flipping out, and it'll be all about Elaine's you know, grief and all this kind of stuff. And when they got Michael Caine, she was just like over the moon about this, because of course you know, she thought he was the greatest thing ever. And look, well-respected actor, who at that point in his career had just decided to, you know, I'm going to take jobs based on where you're filming. <laughs> and when they told him Bahamas, he was like, I'm down. And I love his quote about this. He's like, I've never seen it. I hear it's terrible, but it built a beautiful house. <laughs> you know. And so I, I respect him for at least knowing he was signing up for just trash, but at least playing it straight. And by all accounts from her, 
he was so good on the set and played it so well and made it all, you know, work. And I'm like, well, you know, at least he tried. So I can say that. But, uh, yeah, this is a, a different turn for the series. I mean, if anything, I thought they would go, like, more action, like four sharks or something, right? Why, I mean, that's the sci-fi way, right? But, no, no, they go even more dramatic. Yes, they went more dramatic and... <laughs> With some of the worst actors you could possibly cast, or maybe the cheapest. That's, I mean, they spent $23 million. They didn't spend it on the cast. They, they paid Michael Caine, and they paid Lorraine, but they did not pay the rest of these people. How would you have to pay Lorraine, my God? Is, was she's, she in high demand at the time? No, but she's the studio head's wife, so she got a sweet deal on it. I don't know what the final figures were, but, I mean, she's even said, I got a good deal on it and a much better one because I'm married to the studio head, so... You know, look, if she if if the original Jaws didn't get shut down with all of its problems because the studio head's wife was on it, then I can see them throwing a bone to her later on in life going, yeah, we'll pay you six or eight million dollars or two million dollars and then a bunch of points on the back end of it to, you know, be in this thing. I I could see that. So, I mean, I, I know <laughs> I know they paid Kane a good bit. He talks about it. He'll tell you. So, <laughs> I guess we should do a plot summary though before we go any further Nick. So, I'm going to I'm going to try to go through this and know it's not from the shark's point of view because the shark is barely in this movie. <laughs> All right? Ellen Brody and her youngest son Sean, who's followed in his late father's footsteps as an Amity police officer, are getting ready for a great Christmas in their quaint New England town. However, fate or voodoo or something interferes and a great white shark attacks Sean while he's on harbor patrol killing him. Sean's older brother, Michael, a marine scientist, whisks Ellen away to the Bahamas to clear her thoughts and spend time with his wife and young daughter. Ellen insists Michael give up his work as an ocean researcher, but he dismisses her fears as grief, even though he's feeling some of the same, too. However, the shark that killed his brother somehow finds its way to the warm waters, and he and his research partner, Jake, played by Mario Van Peebles, start tracking the fish unbeknownst to his family. While Ellen starts a flirty romance with a local short-range pilot, Hoagie, Michael Caine, the shark menaces Michael and Jake, and it finally emerges off the beach getting near the young daughter. Ellen, in a fit of rage, steals Michael's boat and begins to chase the beast. Hoagie, Jake, and Michael arrive in an airplane to intervene when the boat is disabled. Hoagie gets the boat working while Jake rigs an electrical shock unit to kill the shark, but he's taken by the fish while implanting it. Michael uses the shock unit to anger the shark, and Ellen pilots the boat into it, jamming the broken bow point into the neck of the beast, killing it, or in the international release, blowing it up somehow, and Jake reappears having survived the attack. But either way, it ends with Ellen and saying goodbye to her happy family in the Bahamas and boarding a plane back to Amity with Hoagie as credits roll. And that is Jaws 4. And we have gone from man confronting his fears <laughs> to I need grief therapy and how Stella got her groove back with a shark in the Bahamas, <laughs> Nick, in 12 years. That's that's a bit of a whirlwind for a series. It 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 completely is. <laughs> I'm shocked that we have got here. I mean, we've we've done movies and series with like kind of diminishing returns. I mean, we've done the Alien series where you know we start off with really you know two really good ones, an okay third one, and then kind of what it transpires into with the uh, <laughs> Josh Whedon abortion, and then those two AVPRs. But this has to take the cake as far as just starting off so high and ending so low. It's it's pretty big jump. I mean, I can only the only one I can think even close is how far you get off track between John Carpenter's Halloween and Halloween Six: The Curse of Michael Myers. Now, I I like Halloween Six. I can't give it you know more than a small popcorn, but I won't lie and tell you I haven't watched it a lot and, and don't still watch it and watched it this past Halloween again. But that's a far cry from that first movie. And Jaws Four is just about as much as a, of a whiplash turn as as that is for me. But that took six movies to get to. They did this in four. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess you know what I I don't know, Jay. Why did we watch? You knew where this was going and you made me stay this whole entire time. I course, did man. because I wanted to get to this because like I said in the opening, it's trendy to smash this film. And yes, it it was nominated for Razzies and people hate it and and for good reason. It's a piece of crap. Okay, there's no doubt. But it even the guy that, you know, invented the Razzie says it's one of the most uh, you know, honorable 
worst bad or best bad movies ever made. Like it's it's watchable. That's the thing. And this is the thing about this movie that gets me. The soundtrack to it, like the score, it's not John Williams doing the music, but it's the best version of that music I've heard. It sounds amazing. Like they spent money on the the, the visuals and the sound. This movie sounds awesome. And it looks pretty good. The shark looks fake as hell. Yes, okay? But it's the best looking one of the sequel sharks, like by far. Like it, you got to admit, this looks better than Jaws two, and it looks way better than that crap in Jaws three. Yeah, but come on, that's like putting a putting a bow on a turd. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I guess it does look <laughs> a little bit better, but it's not saying much. I mean, the shark it, it it doesn't look any better than the version in you know in the first movie, and and you know, and how many years has it been since we got the, from Jaws one, and they couldn't improve the look of the shark at all? About fourteen years. I mean, it's about the same time. Like, and the thing is, is they're using the same ideas, the same models. We had not come far enough in computer graphics or anything for them to even think about doing that with these fish. And they made like four different ones for this. And one of them, the the head that's just the head, is actually just the head from the first one. And you can tell that when the shark is biting the side of the boat the first time it kind of appears to Michael and Jake out there, and you see all these scars across the top of it. They just sewed it back up. If you remember, Brody like stabs it a bunch before he ends up shooting it. At the end of it, it's the same shark head. They just were like, let's just sew that up. Nobody will know. You know, because <laughs> they were just trying to get this crap done, man. Because here's the thing the Bahamas in February sounds like a good idea, but it's actually just as much problems <laughs> as trying to sink a shark and make it work on a crane and all that. It's the, the sea. Seawater is hell on electronics and mechanics, man. It just doesn't play well with those things, no matter what they do. The, the effects tree got done there a month before they started shooting, and they realized there's so much we're not going to be able to do with this. And the funny thing is, they do more with the shark here than they've done in a couple of movies. I mean, there's there are scenes where this shark is in full-on movement mode. It's going through a boat. It's attacking stuff. I mean... The, the thing that I don't understand is what decision was made in the sound editing where they were like, you know, the shark needs to roar. <laughs> I mean, we've had the shark roar. It growled in the last movie a little bit. But they went full, like, Tyrannosaur with this thing. <laughs> I'm just kidding. You know, you're talking about the shark and the look, man. I just, I can't get over just when you see, like, the shark, especially when it's, like, jumping at the end. It looks like a giant tube. I mean, it's like, have you ever seen like a shark? It does. It looks like a giant sock. I mean, it, it, it if you ever seen a shark in real life, and I'm sure everybody oh, has, yes. so it's a dumb yes. thing to say, but it's like sharks are very aerodynamic and how they, how they, you know, are, you know, how they evolved and everything like that. I mean, they're very like, you know, I mean, they're beautiful creatures and this thing just looks like, it, it looks like a, I don't even know what to say, man. It looks terrible. It looks like well, a. It literally looks like someone dipped a sock in like <laughs> some was... cheap rubber, and that's what it is. I mean, it, it's something like, you know, if you're playing like sock puppets with your kid or something like that, like if you had a shark sock puppet, that's what it would look like. <laughs> I can say this about it, all right? For years, people knocked this for like, there's no way a shark can, that big can get up out of the water like that. And thank you, Discovery Channel, for showing us that, oh, yes, big great whites can launch themselves several feet out of the water and things like that. Now, the thing they don't do is dance on their tails and roar at you while you're electrically shocking them. But I, for years, people were like, this is the dumbest thing ever. There's no way that a shark could ever get up out of the water like that that big. And, well, we've seen it. So, yes, that can happen. So I guess kind of like human centipedes, scientifically accurate, you could say about Jaws the Revenge. But I sound like I'm effusively praising what is essentially the worst movie in the series. And I guess I kind of am. But I do want to make it clear for anybody that thinks I've just lost my ever-loving mind. This is a bad movie. This is a piece of crap. Let's spoil it right now. This is a small popcorn, all right? But it can be a good one. And there, there's some good gems in the small popcorn world. Like, you know, Leprechaun in the Hood, you know, things like that can be enjoyable uh, pieces of garbage. And that's the thing about this movie is can it be enjoyable? And I think a lot of that rests on the cast. And I just want to talk about the cast before we sort of walk through the, the bigger points of the movie here. Ellen Brody. Uh, now, not Lorraine Gary, but that character. Is that the right idea that we should center it on her? No. 
It's going to come out and say it right now. No, no one likes Ellen Brody. No one likes her. Okay. She it's God, that is so bad. I mean, I'm trying to think like of, of like an equivalent of like a movie that we've done in the past where it'd be like, I don't know. I mean, it'd be like doing an Anaconda movie, you know, Anaconda 2 if it was about Eric Stoltz character or something <laughs> where it's just like she's such a non-presence in there. I mean, all she was was just basically, you know, no, it's dumb. It's I can't even equate it to anything else. I don't know why they would think that, well, one, we need to bring back the Brodies again. And that we need to have this movie be a showcase for Lorraine Gary's like acting talent and the character that she had. No one cares what happened to her. You know what I mean? And it's not not saying anything bad about, you know, who her character was in the first two movies, but it's just pointless to go back to her because she had no nothing to do with the shark in the first two. I mean I, I'm with you there. And and that's the thing here is if she had at least like been involved, like if she had been with the chief at the end of Jaws 2 and helped him electrocute that other one or something, but she never even saw these things. She never even knew what oh, happened. Oh, yeah, no, no. She saw everything according to the end of the Oh, uh, well, we're going to talk about the sepia tone flashbacks in a second. But no, she didn't. She wasn't here for any of that. I get why you go with the Brodies because you're trying to keep some things familiar. I get the idea of, of you want to do the Brody Brothers because that's the one thing Jaws 3 had right. Right. That actually makes but, sense. Yeah, but we already did that and it didn't work. I mean, it's it's right. kind of like what we're saying, like with Alien Four. It's like, do you have to bring back Ripley? You know what I mean? It's you. You could tell other stories in this universe with that. With I don't know. Can you? Can creatures. you? We did that in Bro- Prometheus, and that cast was horrible. So yeah, I didn't but care that, about was any the, those that, that that was because it had Neil Blomkamp. <laughs> not, not, I mean, not Neil, not Neil Blomkamp. Uh, what's his name? Uh, Damien Lindelof. That's what they had him. <laughs> Read the original script. It's much better. Well, I have, and you're, you're right. The Spate script is better. You're right. But, okay, I, I get it. And, okay, if you don't want to do the Brody Brothers again, I don't know how you make this. Uh, again, you don't want to make a movie about the Just shark. Just make it about another shark. But that's what these movies are have become is, you know, there, there's been so many movies out there where, you know, we've even talked about where it's, you know, look at, like, Tremors. You know what I mean? It's you, you got a fun b monster movie right why not just make it a fun b monster movie no one's coming for ellen brody they're coming for the shark i agree and here's the reason they don't though it's because they thought they were doing that in jaws 3 and that didn't work and they and look the studio head told the director you have producing credit and director you call the shots just get it done on time and so the the last thing director wanted to do was another action movie he thought that was the wrong way to go he said you got to do the human drama that he's a moron then at this point well he's wrong but you're that's what he wanted to do pun intended that ship has sailed okay (laughs) it It really has. has You you can't go from Jaws three to making like a serious like drama movie. You know, and even Jaws one was not like a serious drama movie. Yes, it had great character beats and great character arcs in it, but in the end, it, it was a shark movie. It's just that the, those elements elevated it. I mean, it's like Alien. I'm gonna keep on bringing up Alien here. It's like that was a B monster movie, and the entire thing was the characters and the actors elevated it, much like Jaws. So. It's once once you already get out of that thing, it's like people are there now for, you know, the, the steak and potatoes of the movie, and that's the shark and the shark killing people and the people fighting against the shark, and that's why it's just pointless to bring back the Brodies, in my opinion, because again, how can this happen a fourth time? And then that's my other question too: is like, is Jaws three like completely ignored at this point? Because I guess you could kind of say that one he was kind of a marine biologist or whatever in the first one, so I guess that kind of makes sense. No, they, come they, down. no, they they will tell you now. This is the like all the press materials on this. This is the third film in the Jaws series. Like, they ignore Jaws three as if that never happened. And so the, Michael is not an engineer; he's a research scientist. So they do go with the fact that he works around water. They kept that, but he is in no way supposed to be an extension of that. Uh, that you know, SeaWorld worker. His brother is not a college guy who went back to Amity to become a cop. It's no. So this is like the original like Superman Returns, where they're just going to ignore a bunch of movies. It's, yeah, they ignored the other sequels, or it, you know, if you will, it's Halloween H two O that just said yeah three through six, just forget that, you know, and that's what they did. So I get it. I mean, like I I see the the impetus. I don't think it's the right idea. I I agree with you there, but I see why they would go with it this way. 
Um, you know, that's, they're going with they're going with it because they didn't have any ideas. I mean, yeah, they, they just, and they, they had to do it fast. You're right. Look, they came to him in 1986 in the in the early fall and said, well, "This has got to be out by next July." And he knew he had to put it together at, in the you know the fall and winter of '86 and get it shot in '87. And they didn't even have a script. They had nothing, so they had to start. I don't this, even think so. they even had a script when they were finished making this movie. Okay, oh, uh, they they had one, but here's the thing too, and you don't discount this again. Uh, Sid Scheinberg said, and my wife is the star. And he said, done. And look, Joseph Sargent had directed her in a thing that he got like a claim for before. And so he's like, yes, fine, I can do that. And this is what they came up with. And I don't know how much of Michael de Guzman's uh, script is really here and how many other people wrote on stuff. I kind of get the sense that Sargent had a lot of say in it, but there's a lot of other things out there that make me think that there were several people writing bits and pieces here and there. Matter of fact, I think Michael Caine has been, they've all said that he pretty much just made the character Hoagie up as they went. They just kind of let him be, how would you romance this woman? Well, this is what I would do. And he just did it. And it worked because he's an extraordinary actor and can do that. And they let Mario Van Peebles to, let's just talk about it now, okay? Jake is the funniest character in this movie because he's got that horrible, you know, uh, stereotypical Bahamian accent going on, but he slips in and out of it, like, all the time. Like, when he wants to be serious, he just talks like he normally talks, which is the weirdest thing. I mean, like, there's that scene where he's, you know, giving Michael a bunch of crap about uh, they're working late, and then Michael's like, hey, man, I had to go bury my brother, and he's like, oh, man, look, I'm really sorry about your brother. And, like, he says it like he normally would, and then he starts going, ah, Miss Jamon, and I'm like, oh, my God, what are you doing? So that tells me that this director had no idea what he was doing on this set. He just let these people kind of go, because he figured, who cares? It's all about Ellen, it's all about Lorraine, and then the shark. Is this before New Jack City or after? No, this is before New Jack City. New Jack City's 1991, so this is before Mario did that. But it is after, like, Heartbreak Ridge he did with Clint Eastwood. And, you know, he was, I mean, look, his father, Melvin Van, Van Peebles, is a well-known filmmaker, and Mario was coming up at the time. So he was somebody people would know. I mean, I don't, he wasn't, like, this great star, but he was a, had been around. I mean, he'd been on a lot of stuff at this point. So He's kind of like the Michael Bean Oh, yeah, he's kind of, yeah, okay. a little bit. Yeah, I mean, really, the thing he's coming off of is, is Heartbreak Ridge. That's like the biggest thing he had done at this point. Um, and, pe- you know, people would know him from that. He was a memorable side character in that, that film. Uh, but, you know, he would go on to do such great things like Highlander, The Final Dimension, and, you know, <laughs> Blowback, and The Hebrew Hammer, and, you know, good stuff like that. So, uh, but, I mean, look, he had... He had been on L.A. Law. He had been on One Life to Live. You know, people would know him. And particularly people who would go to a movie because, ooh, Lorraine Gary's in it would know who he was because he had been on a soap opera. So that's why you put him in there. Why you let him do this awful accent, it makes no sense at all that he has this accent. Like, the two other guys, I don't know if they're natives or not. They nail it on the boat. But, like, why didn't you just let him be... Some and they even had this whole argument him and Michael do about you know how he's trying to act like he's you know all street and tough and Michael's like you you're just as city as I am you know <laughs> why did, why couldn't he just been another smart ass kid from Amity you know like that would have been better for me I Mario's performance because, is bad because they had a they had a dreadlock wig that he had to wear <laughs> no that's real that's that's his hair so um, <laughs> it's oh yeah but yeah there's Mario and okay I. I got nothing really on Sean Brody. We'll talk about how he dies here. But this guy I know from exactly one other thing. All right. Um, He was in a TV movie um, where they they did the story of the Carpenters. Right. And he was the brother Carpenter, you know, in in that the singers. And I remembered that. And because my mother and father, why Carp- would you be watching a movie on the Carpenters? Because journey? my mother and father were big Carpenters fans, and when that came on as movie of the week, we watched it. And I just—I mean, I watched a lot of this stuff as a kid, and it just stuck. Let me with get, me, was, man. It, was this like a double feature with like that movie about Roseanne and like her obsession with Elvis? It might have been. I don't know. It was on television. I mean, this is—that's what it was in. But I remember him being on that and I mean I know he did a lot of other stuff too but he played Richard Carpenter that's the thing I knew him from and actually he did that a couple years after this so what was funny for me was when I saw the Richard Carpenter I was like oh that's you and then even stranger though he showed up on Party of Five 
for a while back in the day. And I was like, oh, wow, it's uh, Sean Brody or Richard Carpenter. So I'm, I know Mitchell Anderson's work. I'm, I'm proud to say that. I'm, I'm, gonna say, I'm just going to lay this out there. It took me a while to get you onto a show like Game of Thrones, and you're dropping all this stuff on me. And I'm just like, who am I talking to? Carpenter's. I was a five, <laughs> One Life to Live, hey, hey, Guiding I, Light. I did not watch One Life to Live or Guiding Light. Okay, I I was a young and the restless guy. Okay, and <laughs> I that's not any better. Man. I know, but but I General did, Hospital. I didn't watch all General Hospital. I I had a crush on Robin on General Hospital. Everyone did by age because she's my age, and so that's what you did. Um, look, man, I spent two summers like laid up in hospital beds. <laughs> It's a kid, and you watch what your mom watches. All right, that's part of it too. So, uh, yeah, I, they call that they, they call that Munchild syndrome. <laughs> Munchild? No, I'm pretty sure I didn't suffer from that. But anyway, no, no, but making me watch that—that's that's look, your kids suffer. All these years of this podcasting, and just now you realize I have bad you know, taste for bad stuff. Holy cow, man! I mean, how much of this I thought it was an act. Oh my gosh, no. I'm a connoisseur of bad television and cinema. That's that's what makes this show what it is. So, And I'm not the only one like that. There are other freaks out there just like me. But back to the movie now. They they do Amity, and they actually shot this in New England in like February, so all that snow is real. Everybody's freezing their butt off. And I just can't get over... Like all the like they're doing Christmas carols in the background and all this stuff. And it just blows me away. And then when they go to the Bahamas, now it wasn't until my adult life, you know, twenty so years later, that I actually went to the Bahamas and saw it and from my own eyes and the water and how clear it is just blows me away. And also we talked about last time how in the lagoon, the man-made thing, how could you not see a friggin' shark like that from miles away? How can you not see this monster coming at you from 10 miles away in this water? It's like I... the shark materializes out of nothing. It really is mystical. Don't know. I don't know how they can't see the shark. <laughs> don't know. I'm still just like I, I still think the funniest part of this movie though is the opening with the Christmas carols and Mike Brody going. Is is it Mike? Yeah, Mike or Sean? Who, Sean, Sean Brody's the one that goes out to get. Okay, the okay, pop. Sean and him going out there to like something's wrong with the buoys or something like that, and he's got to go out there to investigate. And, and like the shark is like a freaking ninja. Okay, it's like. <laughs> He's like goes up and just gets the arm and then, you know, bites it off and like, oh, my God, terrible. I mean, he's in the boat screaming and he's got like, you know, supposed to like this little nub of an arm and you can see the other arm underneath <laughs> his jacket. I mean, he goes from like looking like, OK, a normal looking guy to like he's laying down and it's like, well, either his arms underneath his jacket or he just like gained like 75 pounds of weight. No, it's like he put on a Kevlar vest or something all of a sudden. He just his chest gets so much bigger. It's like they couldn't even like pull it around behind him or something. I don't know. I, I don't know. Let me ask you though, you just said the shark was a ninja. The the opening of this movie is the shark point. Well, did the shark did the shark like plant that there? That's what I wanted to ask out? you, because the opening of this movie is the shark bobbing up and down and like it goes to a piece of wood and then the next thing we know. We're doing Christmas carols, and he's getting called to pull a piece of wood out of a, out of a channel marker. And I'm like, did the shark like set that up? I' gonna say yes. I'm going. It has. To, it had to have set this up because this shark is a freaking genius. I mean, for him to be able to like navigate the waters all the way down to the Bahamas to exactly where they are, this shark is. Probably well, the smartest the, creature on the planet. Look, we, we did a scene does. where they tagged the shark with the electronic device. I want to know when the shark tagged them <laughs> so that he can follow him. He's got like Lojack on him or something, man. In the book, the novelization of this is hilarious because this is the like in the novelization, this is just a random shark attack. And then like the voodoo priest gets a hold of this thing and you get the shark's point of view as it travels through the Bahamas and it fights like a whale and a, you know, a, a, what do you call the squid? It sounds better than what we got, though. Least, oh, it is. Know, if it they is, had it, shot that, there'd be some such a better movie. Yeah. You know what? I, I, I'll say this about movies is like, as ludicrous as a premise as you want to set up, as long as it makes sense within the confines of what you're doing in the movie, 
that's fine. You know what I mean? I don't care if it's like so stupid, but it makes sense. This doesn't make any sense at all. The shark sets this up. The shark like mm-hmm. ninja attacks him. And then the shark, I mean, how many miles is it from freaking New England down there? I mean, it's at least got to be like, what, like 1,500 miles or something that oh, the long- shark swam? Longer than that. I mean, it's you're talking at least 2,500 miles easily. <laughs> so, I mean, it's... Yeah, and to it's, get down there that quick. I mean, it's like a speedboat. <laughs> yeah, I mean it. Yeah, and well, he gets down there in a couple of weeks. I mean, it is. It there's a lot of time that passes here. So, I mean, it takes a while. That's for that's it to get fast there, so. though to get down from there. No, it is. Down you you know what? You're you're right. It's actually about fifteen hundred miles. So so you're right. It's not as, as far as I thought it was, but still, that's fifteen hundred freaking miles. That's a long way. But you know what? Sharks do migrate a long way, and they don't tend to do that because <laughs> they don't go to that warm water. And they even have that scene. Where the mother's freaking out, you know, they're in the kitchen after the the funeral, and she's like, I want you out of the water, you're going to stop working in the water. So yeah, yeah, you want to get out of the water, so let's go to the Bahamas where it's all water. That makes so much sense. I'd be like, you know what, let's go to Kansas City. You know what I mean? No, I get it though. You, look, my mom died a couple years ago. I did everything I could to try to get my dad out of the house. Let's go do something. Let's go somewhere. Let's do things. And if he hadn't gotten sick himself, we would have, you know, because you try to get him in somewhere else. And all he's thinking is, I got your granddaughter here who's five, who adores Jay, you. Jay, 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 you know. if your mom died from a bear attack, would you go take your dad out camping <laughs> in like the wilderness? Would you do that? Good point. Probably not. So, there we go. Uh, yeah. Good, good point. So, but either way, well, look, this family is awful, and we know that. Well, it's not that they're awful. They're just stupid. I mean, well, they are dumb. what they do is stupid. They are the smartest, uh, the dumbest smart people we meet in the thing. So we we get to go to the Bahamas, though, now. And I love how, like, the way that they convince him. The one thing that gets me here is, like, how close Ellen Brody is with her daughter-in-law. Like, they have some frank discussions that I'm like, man, I really hope <laughs> people don't... Th- I mean, I don't know if you talk with your father-in-law about how much you're banging your wife or his daughter, but that's pretty much what happens later in this movie. <laughs> and I'm like... Every mm. Christmas, Jay. Every Christmas. <laughs> well, so this was home for you, then. Well, we'll, so. I, we'll, I, we'll have sausage for Christmas, and I'm like, you know who likes sausage? That's always comes up. <laughs> I can I can see this now. So, <laughs> but we get in. The funny thing is, I'm not lying. So. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't think you were. The, uh, the we get to meet Hoagie here, though Michael Caine, and I will say this: Michael Caine probably gives the best performance in this movie, and that's not a high bar that he's having to jump over by far. Okay, but I do think he develops real rapport with Lorraine Gary. He sells it. And I get that he's kind of a jack of all trades. He's a little mysterious. I mean, in the book, he's a drug smuggler, too. And they kind of allude to that here, but, you know, he just, I delivered laundry, you know, or whatever. But I kind of, I liked him as sort of this old guy that, I think, you know, he reminds me of, he reminded me of the older bartender character in Cocktail that Tom Cruise played opposite of, Brian Brown's character, Coughlin. Like, I, I kind of thought he was like that, but not nearly as suicidal as Coughlin was. And I, I liked it. I thought he was fun. I like Michael Caine's performance here. In a bad movie, yes, but he's good in it. Sure. <laughs> Go with sure. <laughs> he's not good in here. I mean, you, you again, it's like, yeah, is he better than everybody else? Yeah, it doesn't mean he's good. I mean, he's just, I mean, he's, yeah, he's better than everybody else. Again, I'm going to just use this, so many analogies in this po- podcast. It's like, yeah, I had very bad explosive diarrhea yesterday, and today it wasn't as bad. So I'm not going to say that my bowel movement was good today. No, it was just a little <laughs> bit better. And I that's think- Michael Caine, okay? He is like the less smelly diarrhea of this movie as far as I would, I would say is. maybe he's the less burnt hamburger off the grill. Maybe that's it. But, you know, no, we're, we're, we're sticking with the bowel movements for this well, movie. So. I talk food and soap operas. You talk sausage and shit, just so everybody's clear. So, but, but no, we get him. And look, there's a lot. There's a lot. Like I wrote in my notes here. There's just lots of lifetime romance and stuff it happens for. No, no, minutes. no, it's not. I've been watching lifetime movies this entire weekend, man. I'm like on this lifetime Hallmark 
Christmas movie kick, okay? And they're not this bad. No, no, they're no. I'm talking bad. about Lifetime movies of the era, though. No, newer Lifetime movies are built to be so bad they're good. Like, Ron and I do a whole show on this. I'm, I'm with you. The older ones, though, the Mother May I Sleep With Danger style ones or whatever, no, those are pieces of crap, all right? And th- this is right in line with all of that stuff. All of it. It's it's right down the same line with it. It's you know I Sunday suppose. night. I'll, I'll take your word for it. <laughs> Look, every Sunday night movie on the networks in the eighties was either your teenage daughter doing drugs, your teenage son getting kidnapped, your teenage daughter and son committing suicide, or old people doing romance. It was like a friggin' rotation, man. You could sit your clock by it, and that's exactly what they're doing here. And it's lots of that kind of. We're supposed to believe in this romance, and then there's this tension between Michael and his mother and his, you know, the hoagie. And I've seen, like, people, like, try to really draw that into some very dark places that he's, like, having this whole Oedipal thing. And I'm like, I don't think that's at all. I think this dude is like, I just don't want this creepy old guy scamming on my mother in her, you know, vulnerable moment. I, that's kind of all I well, think. We, well, we got to get into it, though. I mean, why is she single? Well, Chief Brody died of a shark-induced heart attack. That's what they're saying in the movie. So, so she claims. So she claims that I, the you got, son. You got, you got to take it as fact, man, because you know what? It's not as any ludicrous as anything else in this movie. Okay. The son so says I, I, it's just a heart attack, Bob. And she's like, the fear of it killed him. I'm like, well, not really. It's probably that all those electrical volts he took out in the friggin' ocean. Yeah, he probably had, he probably had like a terrible arrhythmia after that. I mean, really, I could buy that, right? Like, that makes total sense. So, And it doesn't even, like, she's still working, you know, in town. The son still lives at home, even though he's a deputy and about to get married. You know, it's not like he left them well off, you know, or something like that. She still lives in Amity. He's but... got to have some type of life insurance policy through the police department. I'm sure he does. Again, I don't think Ellen's hurting for cash, but the point being is it's not like, you know, she went to go live on Lifestyles of the Rich and Famous when this is over. She didn't go hang out in the Hamptons. She hung around in Amity, for goodness sakes. And we don't even know how long that's been. That's the other thing that ticks me off. You go to the police department and there's this friggin' publicity still of Roy Scheider, and I can only imagine he like got paid for that. <laughs> you know, he's like, "Oh, my pictures in that movie? Oh, you paid me some money because <laughs> so, I'm not going to be in it. But if you put my face in it, then I want some dough." So his face is in this movie, but he's not. And I, the thing oh, here's is, here's the question: Did they try to get mm-hmm. him back? Yes, they wanted him back for the. It was supposed to be him that got killed in the opening scene instead of Sean. It was going to be him, and he said. <laughs> he said absolutely not. He had he wanted nothing to do with that. He did the same thing that Sigourney Weaver did for Aliens versus Predator. She's like absolutely not under no circumstances. What is wrong with these people that made this movie? <laughs> so okay, so you don't like that idea. Tell me why though. That of Brody getting killed by the shark because it spits on everything that came before it. I mean, come on, that even that even spits on the Jaws two legacy. To think that he would get like ninja attacked by a shark it would just be terrible for his character. I'm so glad that he, he probably put his middle finger up and walked away. <laughs> well, he was not at, I don't know what he was doing at the time, probably Sequest or something else, but he was not interested in, in I mean, that is, that, that is as bad as like Halloween resurrection and Jamie Lee Curtis coming back for that. Okay, I want to clear the air on this because I did it in that show, but people can say that Jamie Lee Curtis voluntarily came back to do that Oh, I have no doubt she did because she had nothing else going on, but that was still bad for her character. I mean, she's dumb. That was supposed to be a 30-second cameo, and when she read the script, she said, I'll do 15 minutes of it. I like this because she liked the fact that it finally wrote her out of it. we got to stop bringing that up as an example. She voluntarily did that crap. It doesn't mean it's a good decision (laughs) if she voluntarily did it. It doesn't mean it's good. It just means that she wanted a paycheck, okay? it doesn't. So she did what Brett Favre did the last end of his career. He just went to whoever would pay him. Yeah, but unlike Brett Favre, though, when she retires, she's not going to have that in her freaking you know hall of fame locker okay (laughs) (laughs) this is true can i tell you something though that i like about the the movie i'm going to give it a real compliment here like a serious one the underwater chase not the first time that jake and michael encounter the shark but the the time that it goes after michael and he's in the little mini sub and it basically eats the sub and he has to swim away from it and that whole chased through that sunken boat and all that i like that i thought that was it's the best tension filled bit of this crappy movie like it works yeah but you're forgetting the scene though too when the guy's in the sub and like all of a sudden like the shark is like right next to him 
Yeah, that's like that's a, that's Mario Van Peebles. Yeah, yeah. Just yeah, sort of that, that, that's hilarious <laughs> when the shark shows up right next to him and's like, "Hi, how you, you doing?" You can see the crane in that shot and the one where it eats the the thing, as Michael said it. Yeah, but well, no, that, that that that's their fault for doing it in such clear water. I mean, you're, you're going to go down to a oh, place look. that you can you can see a hundred feet down. You're oh, exactly. See every wire. That, I know that you but, there. Even though, but again, that's why I think this scene works because they put it in a dark space so you don't see the wires dragging the shark through the dark boat. And I liked it. Again, I, I had no doubt that he was going to live and get out of it. But there is some tension in there as the shark breaks through the wall and is chomping at him and stuff. And he has to, you know, he gets that great idea of unloading his air and his air tank and letting him shoot him up. Of course, it would give him the bends and kill him, but uh, <laughs> unless uh, he let go of it a little quicker. But um, I like the, the ingenuity of getting out of it. And I like the tension of that scene. It's the only part of this movie where there's any tension at all. That's the thing is, even in Jaws 3, as dumb as that movie was, there was some created, like, there's about five minutes of tension there, you know, when the mama shark kind of goes off on everything and starts wrecking the park. But this movie has none of it, save for this couple of minutes. I guess. I was expecting, though, when he got like, shot up out of the way that the shark was going to, like, kind of snap his fins and just go nuts. Almost had him. <laughs> well, if it had been Jabberjaws, he would have. But <laughs> Oh, God, it should have been Jabberjaw. Hey, I love that cartoon. That was awesome. So uh, he was great in the Laugh Olympics. But anyway, so Michael has all these nightmares, of course, about it. And how could he not, right? And we haven't talked about his wife any here, who is like, you know, she is either the most the, sexually frustrated wife on in a movie ever. How could she be sexually frustrated? They get on like three or four times in this movie. They screw that one night on the date. They screw in her She's art studio. She's never satisfied. He's just clearly a sharks. <laughs> clearly. I mean, really? So, but no, like she is so like the most supportive into him not real person in this whole movie. <laughs> I mean, I've been married a long well, time, with, happily with married. Like, with hair like that, how could she not be? <laughs> I've been married a long time. You have too. That does not happen when <laughs> you have a five-year-old. Does it? I, that is not like real for people, is it? Not that I know of. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that is. Yeah, I'm like that's that's like yo know, Playboy dream. And he's over there like worried about his mother on a date. If my wife flung her underwear at me i'd be like i don't care the world could be ending outside so don't care well, it should have been like it should have been like the end of munich where like he's like <laughs> like 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 sitting there like freaking out about the shark and using all his frustrations out on her that would have been awesome that maybe that's where spielberg got the idea so we never know <laughs> but but yeah. no she's an artist though and here's the thing She's doing this big piece of art that's going to be unveiled at the local government or whatever. And when you look at the thing, I mean, it's, it's I don't know, I've, I've never not looked at this and not seen like a shark in it. Like, it looks like a shark, right? Yeah, it does. It looks like a shark. See, and uh, they, they, they should have used that for the shark as opposed to the shark that they're using. <laughs> it's, it's one. Well, there's two things about this that I want to say. One, it's a big metal piece of sharp things. Let's put that on a public beach where the children are because that's a great idea because, you know, they're going to stay away from it. And two, it's, it's obviously a shark thing. And this is more of the voodoo thing. Like she subconsciously is, she doesn't even know what she's making. She's just doing this. And, th and I think that was in the script even up to a late point because when Ellen first sees it, like she freaks out looking at it. And I'm like, they, they don't explain that at all. And it can only be because she looks at it and sees what what's there she sees the shark in it because every time that woman like gets in the shower she sees the friggin shark you know she's like she washes her hands in the sink she thinks about a shark so how could she not that they drop that and it's a wasted moment because it it's a good idea i kind of like the if you're going to go with this mystical bullshit at least go with it like do it don't just leave that hanging out there unexplained well, they should have just had the artwork turn into a shark and then had this movie come full circle. <laughs> well, it would have been it would have been complete magic at that point, right? Yeah, the artwork jumps out and like there was no shark up until she put that on the beach and then it jumps in the water and becomes a shark. That exactly. There you go. Okay. I mean, if medium, you're gonna do it, medium popcorn right there automatically. <laughs> you'd have gone for that, right? So, if, yes. If at, at this point, that. I'm looking for anything that would be funny. Instead of, like, frustratingly funny. <laughs> the shark biting the woman on the banana boat? That's not funny to you? 
That is a hilarious kill scene. It's ridiculous. I've been on a banana boat before. I don't want that to happen. (laughs) So it's giving you PTSD. Yeah, I'm having Ellen Brody flashbacks at this point. I'm never okay. going to on another banana boat. <laughs> Let's talk about the flashbacks for a minute. Because they happen in the middle of the movie, and they happen at the funeral, and they happen at the middle, and then they happen at the end. She has these sepia-toned flashbacks of things she wasn't completely there for. The first one is... The scene in Jaws when the little boy and Roy Scheider are like doing the little mimic faces back and forth, to which we only think she maybe saw the very end of, but she sees the whole thing. There's times when like she sees her her son Sean getting killed by the shark, the scene earlier done in sepia tone. She wasn't there for that. And then the end of it where Roy Scheider is shooting the shark and killing it, she sees that. How does she... Do this? Is she psychic? Is she just piecing it together from what people told her? What the hell is with those things? It's just bad movie making at this point. That's the only thing I can say about it. I mean, there's no reason or any explanation she would have for being able to know those, know what happened there. I mean, I guess it is almost like Munich where he's like remembering all this stuff that he wasn't there for. <laughs> Hell, even like Saving Private Ryan where he's having a flashback of like D-Day when he wasn't there. So, hey, Spielberg did copy this movie in multiple movies. So <laughs> I never thought about that one in Saving Private Ryan, but you're right. So now that you say that. So. Spoiler alert. I'm pretty sure, you know, it, that one is probably okay to spoil at this point but she she loses it because of course the shark goes after the granddaughter and doesn't you know it doesn't get her but it gets you know whoever's riding the back of the banana boat and a very bloody scene very bloody uh movie and that's everywhere and then somehow the shark disappears in that cloud of blood in, in that clear beach i don't know but there's that and then she like steals her son's boat to go after the shark and you remember when I told you in Jaws too that the Brodies have this penchant for jumping into sea craft, not knowing what they're doing? I guess that just carries over. <laughs> like, she's fair. Well, my husband did this once. I can do it too. Like, well, I'm going to ask you, how, what's your boat experience in life? How it, many types of boats have you, have you, you know, I, operated I have, before? I have operated sailboats and canoes, my friend. I've never operated anything with a motor. A boat that size. <laughs> Yeah, this is like a 25-foot boat. Yeah. this That's bigger than... I have a 22-foot boat. This is like a 35-foot fucking boat that they have. (laughs) Okay? That's a monster of a boat. And for her to be able to just get behind it and start, like, knowing how to operate it and taking it... This isn't like going out on a lake. Okay? This isn't like even going out on, like, a great lake. They're out in the ocean. And for her to be able to navigate... And where is she going? That's the thing. It's not like she sees a fin and she goes after. It. She just starts driving into the distance. <laughs> and I'm like, "What are you? What are you doing?" She's <laughs> you know, lost did... <laughs> her mind at this yes. point. Yes, she has and, completely. And, and, and she's operating this boat by herself. Yes, that's the other part. Is yeah. it took four of them no, to run it before? No, no, <laughs> no, no. That, 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 no, a boat this size, you cannot operate by yourself, especially being a novice. Okay, I could see maybe yeah. she's like an expert seaman or something. Yeah, she doesn't even go in the water. Here's the thing. She doesn't even go in the water, man. She's building a sandcastle with the granddaughter. Her feet touch the water, and she's like, oh, you know, she starts losing her mind about that. Like, she cannot. So she, takes out, so she takes out a boat she's not qualified to operate out into the freaking ocean with no destination. Or Oh, my God, this woman's so dumb. It is crazy, and the only thing that... that uh, it tops it is Michael and Jake go out in like a little skiff to chase her down and Hoagie sees him and he's like, you ain't never going to catch her in that. And they say, well, what do you want to do? And he gets in the plane and they start, you know, hunting her down. And my thought is like, okay, so if you find her in the plane, is Hoagie like already saying I'm trashing this $250,000 aircraft no matter what over this woman I met a week ago <laughs> because she's in a boat? Or maybe yeah. I should just call the Coast Guard. <laughs> 
and go, hey, yeah. why don't we kind of steer her to the, the side there? Yeah, so, let's, let, let, let's land our water plane next to this boat that this woman doesn't know how to operate. It's not even a water plane. It's just a plane. He does the Thunderbird oh, landing or the Thunderball you're right, landing. You're right. It. I thought it was a water plane. You are right. No, yeah. it's, he does the Thunderball with it. He just crashes in the damn ocean. Because, again, he crashes up. You know, I said $225,000. It's more like a $2 million aircraft. <laughs> he just, just trashes. And he's got a brand new one at the end. I'm like, hey, you got some hella insurance, bro. <laughs> so, how did the other plane, that shark, huh? So, I mean, you can see the adjuster on that, right? So, come on. So, I mean, you took the plane out. Why? And you and fed what it was to your, the shark. And yeah. what was the goal here? I'm just saying, I gotta, I gotta I, document this. All. I love how Mario Van Peebles has that line too about like the shark's gonna be attracted to the electro whatever of the plane, and like you can, his mouth's not moving. I'm like, oh, we dubbed that. <laughs> like we felt like we needed an explanation for that for the audience because somebody said, how did the shark go for? Yeah, the but you know what? You loved it when they took down the helicopter in part two. So why not take down that the plane? Because that was awesome. That was a great scene. It came out of nowhere. You knew it was coming, and yet you didn't. And the way that that happened, you get it. Look, those those long tubes that that helicopter is floating on look like a seal. So you could you could justify it. And plus, that shark was a slasher. We've already said that. That was Jason Voorhees' shark. That that's what that shark was supposed to do. This shark is voodoo shark. I don't know what it's supposed to do other than materialize and dematerialize like friggin' you know Doctor Strange and out of the to the the uh, movie here. I mean, it's crazy how this thing zips in and out of reality. So. Um, yeah, if he's only got, that he's, he's that got a portal gun. We're just gonna. <laughs> That's what it is. He's got, he might as well have at this point. So we get them to arrive. The boat, you know, the plane goes down because Jaws eats it. And uh, I was like, really? Ate a plane? And like Hoagie gets not one, not two, at least four jokes about eating the plane. You know, in in there, and I'm like, did like they give him all those lines, and then they ended up just using them all? Because I'm certain that that couldn't have been on purpose, right? Or maybe it was. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, I think it's yeah. They probably gave a bunch of lines like, let's just use them all. That just felt okay. like Michael Caine riffing, and they were just like, you know what, we'll just go with it. <laughs> they just went with all of it. So I don't know. It was um, it was crazy and inexplicable. And then they, they, I love though that Jake's got this master plan. He's got like one flashlight looking thing and he's going to stick it in the shark. And then the other guy's going to hit a button on the other one. And it's going to take like school picture flash bulbs and it's going to make the shark like angry. So did you understand at all what they were doing there? Cause I've seen this movie nope. 20 times and I'm not really sure. I mean, they explain it, but it doesn't make any sense. Nope. No idea. <laughs> They electrocute the shark. That's all I can tell you is that they, they elect, they like defibrillate the shark. <laughs> but the way they do it though is Jake goes out on the the you know bow point there with no line to pull him back, and he you know shoves that in the shark's mouth as it jumps up forty feet out of the air, and it of course grabs him in the process, and he goes down with it, and in the original uh, ending dies, and then the international lives, but he uh, yeah. Uh, he goes down stabbing the thing with the you know the stick. With the stick, yes, he did. <laughs> yeah, it's. <laughs> I still don't know how he could have survived that. You're telling me in the uh, international cut that he survived that. I don't no, know how. Again, all the home video releases of it. Jake lives at the end of it, people. So I mean, yeah. If you, unless you've watched this on Netflix with us this time, you you know what I'm talking about. It's out there. So um, you, you watch it on YouTube too. I'm sure it's out there. But uh, but no, it sets up our big end here, though, right? Because the boat's flooding. It's you know we've already set it up that it's a piece of garbage boat it's, anyway. It's, it's it's a big something at this point. <laughs> and they're gonna they get the engine running just enough, and Ellen decides I'm just gonna steer right for the shark because that's what I need to do right now with my life and her son is uh you know flash bulbing the shark and it stands up out of the water roaring at them as if to say stop shocking me <laughs> i got it and then she stabs it and what has to be the bloodiest ending of any pg film i had ever seen in my life up to that point and maybe since i mean this is you gotta admit they spent the money on the the shark dying here at the end because it is i mean it goes on for several seconds of it writhing and basically tearing the front of the boat off as it's being you know stabbed to death yeah peace and it's even funny though when they like 
this action scene is like so funny because like they keep on like cutting to Lorraine Gary and like she doesn't even look like she's even steering the boat. They just keep on <laughs> yeah, like she, a close up of her and she's just she's, like, ooh, intense look. That she's shark jumping up. Intense look. And then they do like a little side view of the boat, like showing like uh, you know, the Brody kid on there. And you can see the bow point of the boat is like right there. It's not even in the shark. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's so bad. It's bad, but I'm going to tell you, it's not as bad as the international and what had been the home video release, the explosion ending. That don't make no damn sense. But then the, the whole front of the boat like gets ripped off, and okay, then the shark you know obviously dies. But then they make it back to land somehow with like how? Well, okay, they, they, they that is set up. They they actually do a whole bit on the radio with Hoagie like having a 30 second conversation with somebody about you need to send some boats and some people out here. Here's my coordinates and like so people are coming for them and like he gives them a specific location. So they do say that there's a reason they got rescued. I I, I guess but yeah. that boat's going down quick with that. There's plenty of wood to float on too, man. It's not like they can't swim to the shore. It's only like 20 feet the other way. It's not like they went out in the middle of the Atlantic and did this. They didn't get that far offshore. So, I, um, I don't know. It's just so ridiculous. It is ridiculous, but it's no more ridiculous that the explosion ridiculous makes no sense. Like, that's the dumbest thing ever. Like, they didn't set that up at all. There's no reason that that should have happened. If you want yeah, to say but Jake that's, lives. That's, that's such a movie trope, though. It's like a car flipping over and it blows up. It's like, hey, you might as well just have the shark blow up at this point. What's more believable? You stab the shark with the front of your boat and it blows up, or you shoot an air tank and it blows up? What well, The air tank, obviously, because they at least set that up with some faux science earlier there's nothing about what the the system they rig up in that shark that is remotely explosive they don't they don't even have tnt on this thing that's not how they do it it's it's dumb at least this ending the stabby ending i'll call it makes sense for what it is it's dumb yes but it looks cool it's much cooler than the other one you can't tell me that that blow up ending is better than this one no, it it doesn't look cool. It doesn't. It just looks bad. I mean, okay, yeah, there's a lot of blood and the shark roaring. I don't. Sharks can't roar. No, but, we, uh, we set that up. We've already talked about that. Yeah, but like I said, they should have went back to you know my Jaws two explanation and said that this is like a genetically engineered shark. It make more sense. <laughs> well, if they, you know, if they had kept going with this, that was the next one, which ultimately became Deep Blue Sea, from what I understand. But they didn't. So, what do you make of the the ultimate ending though? That Everybody's fine, pretty much. He, she leaves the people in the Bahamas, and she goes off with Hoagie back to Amity to wine and dine and hear more of his, you know, goofy stories. It's fine. <laughs> I don't really have much to say it's, about it. Again, it's it's, it's older it's, it's white fine. Stella gets her groove back. That's what it is. So I guess, yeah, like you know, she had to take him back. You know. I guess he doesn't have a plane anymore, so he's probably... No, he does. He's in a new one. Like, other people are getting on the plane, too, and you kind of get the sense that Hokey's going back with her. I'm like, how does Hokey still have a job? I guess this guy's like a millionaire because he's just got planes coming out of his ass. Well, that's the thing is they're not even his. That's the thing is he worked for some other person. Like I'm like, man, this guy would not be working anymore, but whatever. Yeah, I think think something... I don't know how flight light, you know, actually having a license to fly a plane works, but something tells me he's not going to have his after doing all that after purposely crashing a plane into the water i don't care how heroic your intentions were <laughs> um no but it's not like they can't go find the body of that shark it's about 20 the FAA, feet down the FAA would be all over <laughs> no they can find that shark that shark is in a museum right now <laughs> they've unplugged the front of that boat out of it they're like how the heck did this thing get in the bahamas <laughs> like, there's got to be people studying this and it's even like the et kind of scientists would be down there going how did this happen so men in black something is going on so it's all part of the bilderberg group and the oh it'd be like the men in black coming down to check that out the bohemian grove they'd be talking about how that shark got in the bahamas man there would be people digging into that but i think we've dug into this one long enough so time to get final thoughts recommendations popcorn ratings i've told everybody what mine is it's small popcorn but nick what's yours for jaws the revenge large popcorn (laughs) you liar No, it's a small popcorn. This is this is a bad movie, and you know sometimes bad movies can be fun, or they're you know so good they're you know so bad they're good. But this this is just bad, 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 bad throughout. I mean, it is it is watchable, but it's it's like watching like a bad car accident, and you're just like you can't keep your eyes off of it. I mean, it's a bad movie. None of it makes sense. The story that they came up with is 
fucking terrible. The acting's terrible. <laughs> the shark's terrible. The plot's terrible. Everything's terrible. The only thing cool about this was there's a banana boat. So, <laughs> <laughs> and it gets eaten. So. <laughs> and it gets eaten by a shark. The, a shark ate a banana in this movie. So, it's a small popcorn. Very small popcorn for me. Burnt, burnt, burnt small popcorn. Well, like I said, small popcorn, but I will say infinitely watchable as a bad movie. It's terrible, yes. It's the worst one of the series, by far. I, I would rank them in order. I think they they descend perfectly. Jaws 1, 2, 3, and 4 go right down the line. But uh, And this one's bad, but it is fun. It's fun to watch in a group of people if you want to watch a bad movie you know, and make fun of stuff. Uh, and it's short. It's the shortest one. It's not even 90 minutes long, so... It's an easy to get through. So, I, you know, again, if you're a fan of like, like we've talked about, bad lifetime romance and uh, movies that don't make any sense, then this one's right up there with you, folks. I mean, it uh, it's right as inexplicable as anything else. So I'll give it that and, and say uh, au revoir to the the Jaws series, as it were. Now, there's some other shark movies out there. We're going to we're gonna take a break from them for a little while, Nick, but we'll come back and do some more recent shark bait. We're not going to do Sharknado or anything like that, people, so you know, chill out. But we, we're going to talk about a movie called The Shallows that had Blake Lively in it. It came out in 2016. It got a lot of critical acclaim, and uh, there are a couple others we're looking at out there. So if you've got a favorite shark movie you want us to take a look at, hit us up on the Facebook page or, you know, hit us up on Twitter. Uh, you can find us there and let us know what you got in mind. We'll take a we'll take a consideration at it. We don't do requests per se, but if you've got a good suggestion, we're always open to it. Uh, as, we're going to do the complete know. retrospective of the show Shark Tank. <laughs> no, we are not, even though... Um, it might be apropos, but no. <laughs> so what, what, what about the what about the James Woods show? <laughs> no, not that one either. Shark, even though Dora Baird's in it. But uh, speaking of which, um, she is in a sequel of a series we are going to do in 2017. Hadn't quite slated when we're going to do it yet, but it's it's kind of the big horror one we hadn't done yet, man. It's Texas Chainsaw Massacre. It, we we got to get into those at some point. And you said you wanted in on that. So, oh we'll, yes. Yeah, yes. Yes. We're going to be talking about that. The, the four, I guess, original ones. And then the two platinum dunes remakes. And then that random one that they made a couple of years ago. And uh, they're supposed to be coming out coming with a out. new one. Got another one coming out. So we'll try to time that somewhere around when that one comes out. If we don't get it right on time, we'll, and we'll get all of them in. And then also the, uh, there was another Texas Chainsaw Massacre movie that was, uh, so maybe by like uh, Toby Hooper's son or something like that. It was about the uh, Bill Mosley character that sings on YouTube. I didn't know this. So, well, we'll yes, look into yes. it and we'll have to see if there's a uh, a reason to review that as part of the series. We've got that going. In we did Jaws Revenge. So <laughs> there is no reason not to do any movie at this point. Theatrical release versus YouTube release. I don't know, Nick. The last time we did straight to video releases, it was Hellraiser. And we got into a dark road with that. And there is another one of those coming out in 2017. So if that actually happens, I guess we'll pick that one back up and do it. Kurt and I are going to be reviewing in 10 of the Stanley Kubrick films throughout the year. Those are going to space out and around. And we got all kinds of stuff playing. So who knows what we'll come up with here on Filmstrip. As always, folks, you can always find our stuff on our iTunes feed. Every episode is there. All the way back to when we were like doing Ghostbusters and stuff. And I'm going to tell you right now, those shows are very different from the show we've done for the last three or four years. But they're still there, and we've got a big variety and, and everything. But uh, check us out. Leave us a review if you like the show. It helps other people find the show. And then hook up with us on social media. We're all on Twitter. You can join us on Facebook. Go to the uh, Fabish Factor Film Podcast page. You want to join that, let us know. Uh, that's uh, that's Kurt's page, and really it sort of started out as a page for his podcast, but the podcast doesn't exist so much anymore as much as the the show and the discussion does, but we kind of put all of our stuff up there, too, in addition to our Facebook page. So catch up with us there. Let us know what you think. We appreciate your support. Until next time, for Nick, I'm Jay. Thanks for listening to Filmstrip. Thank you for listening to Filmstrip. You can find more episodes on our website, continuousplaypodcast.com forward slash movies. Please leave us a positive review on iTunes and link up with us on Facebook. The Filmstrip theme music is produced and performed by Frozen Lake 121.